0: Hey guys, it's Lori here, just letting you know that this episode is brought to you by the Christian Standard Bible. Learn more at csbible.com.
1: Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 91, take two Broken and Beloved Pastors with Ben and Lauren.
0: Yes, welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast where we talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone, every day. I'm your host, Lori Krieg, and I do have alongside me my favorite licensed therapist and Argyle expert, my husband, Matt Krieg. Hello. Hey, Matt. And we also have the ever faithful and most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve.
1: Hi, guys.
0: Hey, man. Today, we are going to continue. Our series called Take Two, where we take a second look at some of our favorite episodes over the last four seasons before we launch into season five this fall. And today, what are we doing today, Matt? Mm
2: -hmm. So today we are talking with Ben and Lauren Schalke, two good friends of ours, as they talk about some of how they have experienced Ben's um, experiencing gender dysphoria and how that affected their life, their marriage, and even his employment.
0: Yeah, we chose this episode because this series was one of our most listened to series of all time. So we did a mini series. So we're doing the take two one. Now we're grabbing all three from a, a couple of years ago, our Broken Beloved Pastor series. And uh, I chose all three, but especially this one, I want you all to hear it because um, Ben's wrestling with gender, it, it was when he came forward as a pastor it was really misunderstood. I'm not by everyone, but it was really misunderstood. And, and people were equating wrestling with gender with like cheating on his wife. And so I really think we need to understand. So I'm just going to do a tiny bit of teaching for 30 seconds. Wrestling with your gender and wrestling with your sexuality are different. If you wrestle with your gender uh, or identify as trans or um, are wrestle with gender dysphoria how you feel inside about being male or female or somewhere in there it's it feels like it bumps up against and grates against your actual physiology your biology how you're made uh, with your private parts so that's gender then there's sexual attractions so I have pastor friends right now who their jobs are on the line for simply wrestling with attractions to the same sex. Now, we have to understand that, too. Just because you wrestle with attractions, which, again, different than gender, doesn't mean you're about to go find someone of the same sex and marry them. It doesn't even mean you believe that's right. It just means this is my version of sexual brokenness. So I just wanted to pop in right now and say, stop firing people if you don't understand what you're talking about. Please, thank you for sharing that would be the right response. That must have been hard to say. Can you help me understand how you're wrestling with gender or you're wrestling with your sexuality? How does that interplay with your faith? I'm begging you all, please stop firing my friends and ask more questions.
1: Now, if you don't know them, Ben and Lauren Schulke live in Grand Rapids, Michigan, next door to my son, which is an amazing story of uh, how they're just being such great neighbors in and, and the church, basically, to my son. Anyway, uh, they love to practice living in community with others by opening up their home and making delicious food. And I've heard true stories of that. Uh, they enjoy going on walks with their puppy child, Hopper.
0: It's just a puppy, but it's like their puppy. Sure. You know. Yes. Yes.
1: yes. And also a Stranger Things reference there. Uh, They love drinking coffee and playing games with friends. Ben is a web developer and a bivocational pastor. And Lauren is a case manager working in refugee foster
0: care. Okay, guys, let's dive in. All right, Ben and Lauren, you've listened to the podcast a few times. And so you know that we ask every guest or guests if we've got a couple, this set of questions. And so when... Was the gospel first good news for you? The gospel being Mm. I'm more loved than I can imagine and more sinful than I believe. So when was it first good news for you and how is it still?
3: Yeah, I love this question, by the way, and I've often stolen the pairing of those. Uh, I did not grow up in a Christian home um, or maybe it was a split home. So my mom would go to an Episcopalian church, but my dad would stay home. um, And so we've been praying a lot for him. But really sort of... Grew up believing that maybe God was there, but he was more of a vending machine, if anything, and and really didn't know the gospel. Um, What was interesting, though, about my life is I could see God pursuing me even at a young age Hmm. and how uh, ultimately he led me to himself uh, as a teenager. Uh, So I was invited to a Christmas party at a local church and we watched the movie Elf. So I like to say the movie Elf was uh, essential to my coming of faith, uh, which is <laughs> awesome. awesome. So, what's your favorite color? Yeah,
0: um, like Gold. I want to go to heaven. <laughs> yes.
3: Um, so I remember going there and I felt like I belonged. I remember feeling loved. I had friends there that I knew. It was a very welcoming space. And so I started to go... For some events and started to go to large groups and go to small groups and i started sleeping over at friends houses so i could go to church because neither of my parents were going to this church and i just remember I, I don't remember exactly how many times i heard the gospel in the season but there was just one night where it clicked and i knew my guilt i knew the longing that i had in my heart that hole in my heart and hey, hey. yep. what what <laughs> and I remember asking a friend, like, how can I experience eternal life? And so that night I confessed every sin that I could think of and, hmm. and really just gave my life to Christ and I wanted the cross. Uh, and so I don't know if it was like an immediate shift, but I remember I was so on fire for him and really just threw my life into serving him, going to like prayer groups and worship nights and all sorts of things. I was just so hungry for him. And there's a lot in between then, when well, I was a teenager and now. Yeah, we'll dissect
0: um, that, I'm guessing.
3: Yeah. Uh, but I, I would say today, um, especially in this last season for Lauren and I, just all the things that we've gone through, we've seen how God shows up. He provides, not just physically. And I think that's been a question on my heart. Is like, God, are you going to be there, not just physically for us, but for our, us emotionally and spiritually Mm. Um, if i say no to netflix and computer games all these other things that i go to to fill that void like if i say no to these idols and i look to you like are you really gonna be there Mm. and while i'm definitely not perfect at it i've definitely seen him provide and he's shown up
0: Mm. Um, right on thank mm. you lauren Mm -hmm. how about you the gospel
4: when was it first good news and how is it still So on the other end of the spectrum, I grew up in a Christian home, went to a Christian school, grew up in the church all the way up until grad school, basically. Uh, So growing up, I think for many, many years, I kind of leaned on my parents' faith, and Hmm. it wasn't really my own. Uh, So in about middle school, I went to summer camp, and um, before then, for about a year or or two. Prior to eighth grade, I had dabbled in things like pornography and um, just other like sexual sin and just deceit and all this brokenness, um, mm-hmm. and began feeling a lot of guilt and a lot of shame in that in that regard. And so, I remember the last night at, at summer camp uh, before I started my eighth grade year, uh, the the teacher who was teaching that night spoke about. The Jesus and the woman who had been bleeding for twelve years, and she she knelt down and grabbed the end of his rope and was immediately healed and and whole um, again. And so I remember just feeling so gripped with conviction in that moment, and uh, going back to my cabin and being with my cousin and my my friend and just confessing all of this all of this crap to them, mm. and um, really, it kind of was like a flipped switch. I felt. I felt whole. I felt like the love of God like I've never felt before. Um, and between then and then this past year, of course, a lot has happened, uh, and there's been a lot of a lot of growth, a lot of experiences, uh, but um, it's been very neat to see how God has impacted and, and grown my faith. Um, and then today, as Ben alluded to, um, absolutely God has provided, and we've understood that in a much deeper way than we ever have before. But Mm. for me personally, I think I've just experienced God and His love and how the gospel is good news and the way Mm. that um, He's present in our suffering and He does not waste our suffering. He doesn't waste our pain that Mm -hmm. we go through actually Mm -hmm. sees and walks through the ugly times and the times where we're hurting and grieving and lamenting. So. Mm
0: doesn't waste our pain. It is so true. I've been reading Elizabeth Elliot's Suffering is Never Mm -hmm. for Nothing, and she talks about Mm. the transfiguration of our suffering, that when we have nothing to offer, if we offer him that, Mm -hmm. he can transfigure it into something gorgeous. Mm. So, Ben... Um, whenever I speak publicly, I'm like, I usually end up speaking about the same sex stuff. And I'm like, you know, I have like a billion issues, right? I don't just have this, like, we've got all these idols. And I know you have several issues, I'm sure. Um, but one thing that you wrestle with is something that's called gender dysphoria. Mm -hmm. What is that?
3: Yeah, I think the definition goes something like this, where there's a felt incongruence between one's biological sex and their gender identity. Now, what is gender identity? I'm not sure I could answer that. That's yeah. something that we're all trying to figure out. But yeah. um, certainly there's this this longing, this incongruence uh, between sometimes even what like, my heart expects or my brain expects and, and what is reality.
0: So how does that feel for you how does gender dysphoria manifest itself for you because i know it's different for different people Mm -hmm. also pause gender dysphoria is different than sexual identity so gender identity and sexual identity are different so Mm -hmm. you are sexually attracted sorry to get graphic but to your wife and your gender of your wife right
3: yes this is correct (laughs) so
0: gender dysphoria does not equal sign Gay, so we're going to put that aside. So he's sexually attracted to his wife. Gender identity is your biology and your gender identity again. That ambiguous mm-hmm. whatever. So it's there's a incongruence there. So just yeah. for people to understand. Um, so I was about I just interrupted you. But what is that like <laughs> <It's>, for you?
3: <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of a nebulous thing to talk about. So there's there's a couple of things that I want to preface it with. Is one. There's a a spectrum, I think. So typically when people refer to gender dysphoria, they're talking more of this clinical anxiety. They're feeling the incongruence to a point where it's interfering with everyday activities. Uh, I think I have felt that sometimes, but I would say mine's more mild and moderate. Um, I also talk about it like a wave or a volume. So there are days in which I can barely notice it, but if I really pay attention, I I can hear it. And there's other days where it's very loud and I very much notice it. Um, so it's not like this constant, um, you know, anxiety or anything like that. It definitely comes and goes. Uh, it's also not a choice. Like I didn't choose to go through these things. What? Right. Sorry. Um,
0: <laughs> Pardon my sarcasm. <laughs> you don't choose to go through this extreme pain that causes you anxiety and what you have to wrestle through?
3: As hard as that is to believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, and I just, I think it's important to bring that point up because yeah. um, for someone that doesn't experience it, it yeah. can be hard to relate and hard to understand. And and so I, I would probably compare it more into like a depression than I would a sin or maybe even a temptation. I would say it's, it's more comparable. Wait, um, I need
0: to double underline that because okay. I have to say that for churches too, is mm-hmm. that was really important. What Ben just said you cannot one for one gender dysphoria where ben i picture you looking in the mirror sometimes and like just feeling like this doesn't match my biology and how i feel inside doesn't match that again does not i've seen an equal sign with a line through it sin like i'm sure it can go to sinful places Mm -hmm. uh which i'm curious on that so just the raw wrestling when does it when do you feel like it turns to something sinful? And then I want to get back to your story. When do yeah. you feel like it can turn sinful?
3: Yeah, good question. So I, I don't know, I, I like to think of it in terms of temptation. There are these desires that I have where i I want to pursue some sort of relief of this incongruence, whether it be um, something with appearance, Um,
0: Like dressing differently.
3: Right. Dressing differently or sometimes even more extreme of taking hormones like chemically or surgically transitioning, which, you know, are both rather permanent, you know, Mm -hmm. surgery certainly being so. Um, So I think there's that that temptation there. But um, I think, yeah, to experience a temptation is not sin. Right. Jesus was tempted. Mm -hmm. Um, And so. For my experience, there's, well, I would even say too, there are moments in which I want to hate my body um, Mm. because it's not what I want it to be. And I think there's that pull where it's like, you can kind of cave in on yourself with this bitterness, uh, with anything in our lives, right? Anything that we're sort of discontent with. But I think following Jesus brings us to this place of contentment. So one of the things that I try to practice Uh, to lead away from sin and lead toward holiness is to be thankful for my body. Even if I don't necessarily believe it, I'm trying to train myself to be thankful for myself, Mm. for the way that God made me. Mm. I don't think he made me a mistake. Um, Certainly we're all fallen in different ways, Uh, but there's, yeah, God is is definitely meeting me where I am and he's not surprised by any any of these things. Mm. Um, So I'm trying to learn how to be thankful for for even this uh, incongruence. Mm-hmm. So-, so
0: I'm hearing that the sin begins from what you best see is when you try and get into the escape hatch from suffering well. So when you want to say, okay, I think you know my biological sex is what God wants me to have, even though I don't feel that way. And so instead of pursuing hormones, instead of cross-dressing, instead of just despising yourself you're staying in the pain and maybe when the waves are extra high and you're saying god be with me here help me to mm-hmm. be thankful and help me to even love myself here is that accurate
3: i think so and I, I want to caution too i mean it can be very easy to play this middle school dating game where like where is the line to yes. sin right? right so like i want right. to get as close as i can without sinning so i can still be a good christian and you know, I want to stray away from that. Right. And I think the antidote to that is to pursue holiness. And I, I see ultimately gender dysphoria as just another way in which I'm broken and looking for God. Yep. And when I start to fantasize about, um, how I think achieving these things will relieve, um, relieve the angst that I feel, fill that void. I ultimately know it won't. Mm. Uh, It might bring some temporary happiness and often sin will, uh, but there's a real sense in which God is the only one that can fill that. And it's just another idol like everyone else is, just another boring brokenness.
0: <laughs> that's, that's my uh, dream for the church. Yeah, right. It becomes boring.
2: I wanted to, to jump in and just ask a, a clarifying question, because usually when it comes to someone who experiences dysphoria, dysphoria. Um, it can be either like a body-based dysphoria, Mm -hmm. which I hear you saying, you know, where there's like the physical nature of your body doesn't align with kind of this internal sense of what things should be like. Um, but then there's also the social dysphoria, which has a lot more to do with gender roles. Um, and in some ways, you know, stereotypes, which aren't always true. Um, and, and do you feel, do you feel kind of both aspects of that, or is it for you primarily the bodily dysphoria?
3: I do feel both aspects. Uh, I would say the heavier leaning one would be the body dysphoria. Mm-hmm. And I think with the social aspect of gender dysphoria, it is hard to weed through, okay, what's just a gender stereotype where I'm just non-conforming, mm-hmm. and what's actually like this incongruence between my sex and gender. Um, so that one's a little hard. I mean, pronouns and stuff are fine for me. There is a sense in which... Um, I don't know i just i long i long for the church to move past some of these rigid stereotypes i mean no person fits all of them anyways mm-hmm. you know and i think Preston sprinkle even talked about this where like is david being more masculine when he's at war when he's writing poetry playing the harp and weeping you know so um the bible even doesn't make some of these rigid hard and fast stereotypes mm-hmm. which is interesting For me, I think a lot of the dysphoria, well, I describe it often like I feel like an imposter uh, in my own body or in my own, like around my own sex where like Mm -hmm. they're going to see me and they're going to realize I'm not really one of them or I don't don't feel like I quite belong. I think I wrote a blog post where I I said it this way. It's almost like walking into a party where everyone is dressed a certain way and you feel underdressed, like you didn't get the dress code and you kind of feel that initial shame or like I don't quite fit in. Um for me yeah the body part i think is the the more noticeable i remember <laughs> entering puberty you know and all of its wonderful things and uh I really I don't know where this came from, but started to like have these dreams and desires and, and, and images of, of like losing my male parts and having female parts, like longing for that and, and trying to like stand a certain way. And I like, I mean, I don't know where that came from, you know, is that nature versus nurture? I don't know that it matters too much.
2: Mm
3: -hmm. Um, But I think that was one of the clearest memories for me. And so some ways that it looks like other than just like sexual organs is more like my body hair. Um, Sometimes it's the way that my voice sounds. Um, There's aspects in which, you know, I I notice my frame, the way that clothes sometimes look on me can be dysphoric. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's, Again, it comes and goes Mm. in in how it feels. But I think, yeah, definitely the body aspect is the more, uh, it's the bigger deal for me. Mm.
0: So Ben, you weren't necessarily putting this gender dysphoria label on yourself for most of your life. And it wasn't until (laughs) the last year and a half ish. Two years that you started to like you woke up to it essentially Mm -hmm. so like you had this pattern in your life like of no like of what you said these dreams that you had etc but then you woke up to it and you were about to get your mdiv from what i remember and what (laughs) was that like and in sharing with lauren
3: yeah, I was like the poster child, right, for like what the Christian path should be. So I come to Christ as a teenager and <laughs> I'm on fire for him. And I mean, people don't see the, the sexual sin and the, mm-hmm. the the brokenness, right, that typically would come from knowing one's own heart. Um,
0: wait, wait, wait. Describe <laughs> that more. Like, what do you mean the sexual sin of knowing your own heart? Are you alluding just, to your own wrestling with stuff?
3: I think sometimes from the outside uh, in we often view people with this light in which they're not wrestling with anything. Oh, I see. Um, so, so we see the
0: before and after and we're like, yeah. Ben's fine and great.
3: Yeah, so I, I'm going to cornerstone for intercultural studies and and I'm called to be a pastor. So I'm at the seminary, I'm a youth pastor. I'm about to like I was applying for this other job to be an associate pastor. And here I am in February, and I really kind of come out to myself. Um, and I, I, so I'm going to steal this from someone else, but I think it works perfectly. If you look at the FedEx logo, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. between the E and the X, there's this arrow in the negative space and it's always there. It's always been there. But when someone points it out Mm -hmm. to you and you look at it, you're like, I can't unsee that. Like it's, it's there. And so that was kind of February for me where I don't know if I just had the right kind of language. Ultimately, I think God, was trying to answer prayer in my life for me to know him. I wanted to know his love. I wanted to actually experience it, not just know it. I mean, I could teach on it and preach on it and point to the right scriptures, but to actually feel his love, um, that was something I was deeply longing for. And I think God just was surfacing these things, these shameful parts of my life and saying, I'm going to dig in there because I want to show you how much I love you. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, that, so February of last year, it no longer wanted to hide. Um, And it had come up through different meetings with people. uh, But I think, yeah, just through certain events really kind of came to grips with what, okay, this is gender dysphoria and I, I don't know what to do with this.
0: Mm. and so you came forward to Lauren
4: Lauren what was that like I can't remember the exact m- moment uh, however I remember um, generally how I felt and that was I think disappointed is the first word um, mm. and only only because you you grew up in the church and you have this image of what it looks like to be married and to you know mm. you go through college and your goal is to find a husband who um, loves the Lord and plays the guitar and, you know, is perfect. <laughs>
3: and is a youth pastor. Is well, a youth pastor. So full pack, <laughs> just check all the boxes. It's there.
4: All the things. He had them all. And um, so a year ago, year and a half ago, uh, yeah, he comes to me and I, I feel disappointed and hurt and angry. Uh, I feel confused and, and maybe frustrated to just not knowing how to process this and I didn't even really know what gender dysphoria was yeah. at that point I didn't understand what he was feeling it, it took a long time to process that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. did you have questions were you like okay is
0: this were you like is this a lust thing is this a like were you wrestling did he cheat on me or were you just asking like just lots of question marks above your head
4: Lots of question marks. a lot of a lot of what I remember asking is like, what's going to happen to our marriage? What's going to happen yeah. with Ben's mm-hmm. job and what happens to our ministry, and what's our what it, are people going to think? Who mm-hmm. are our friends and family? Mm-hmm. Lots of big questions,
0: so yeah. what were some next steps you took then, Ben and Lauren, um on the healing path of you know, I don't. Can God heal you of gender dysphoria? That's for another episode. I think God empowers us to surrender all our versions of brokenness. That's how I roll. Um, so, what were the next healing steps for you guys?
3: Well, there are these people that we knew uh, named Matt and Lori Krieg. Um,
0: <laughs> oh, I've heard of them. I really wasn't fishing for maybe, this answer. Yeah,
3: they're jerks. Don't okay. uh, listen to them. It really. It really is amazing to see how God was working behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Like, so, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, And, uh, yeah, I mean, so having you guys both come and speak at my church that I was being a youth pastor at, um being part of the Caring Well conference and even just yeah, coming to your Stranger Things birthday party yeah. like <laughs> we were developing this friendship and I
0: remember that though it was so funny that we had Matt and I for our birthdays which are near each other we like to dress up and go do weird things not weird weird but things you but I weird, mean we dress but... <laughs> up and we go out and whatever we don't care but it was funny because I sensed the Lord being like you need to invite Ben and Lauren and I mm-hmm. knew nothing of what was going on and mm-hmm. we weren't like super close then but It was like this bizarre voice I Mm. heard, which I took to be God. So, yes, Mm. you came. And then what?
3: Yeah. So, you know, I I come to Lauren and I'm like, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to transition, but I don't know what to do with this. And we kind of, uh, I mean, so in the moment we're grieving this, but Mm. uh, your name definitely came to mind as a safe Mm. person to talk to. And so, yeah, I remember thinking I was like, all right, I'm gonna try to meet with Lori and get the book. I'm gonna get the book on this and (laughs) figure out my life in a one hour conversation. And leave and everything's gonna be great. (laughs) Uh, And all this time, Lori, I think you said you kinda were feeling the nudge of the spirit to meet with me more often, which was so healing in itself. And you saw Mm -hmm. right through the gender dysphoria and went right to the shame piece. Yeah. Uh, And so what I thought was gonna be a one-time meeting ended up being meeting uh, every week for a couple months. And I think God ultimately was using that to grow me toward himself. And I, it was really just discipleship. Yeah. Um, so learning how to do listening prayer, learning how to lament uh, wounds. I often, I love sharing this part of my story because I remember doing that first listening prayer moment, um, being in this woods on this bench and you know, feeling at rest and then you asked me to invite Jesus in and he's he's there behind me and I feel completely naked. I mm. feel emotionally exposed where he could see right through me and knew all of my sexual sin. He knew my gender dysphoria and and everything that I'd gone through and I wanted to run. I wanted to get out of my skin. Um, and then you prayerfully asked Ben, look into Jesus' eyes and tell me what you see. And I remember him sitting down next to me. And I can't remember if he put his hand on my shoulder, but I remember looking into his eyes and I just began to ugly cry. Like, yeah. snot is just falling from my face. And I'm just <laughs> weeping because I looked into his eyes and I and he wasn't shocked. Yeah, that's right. He wasn't surprised at what I was going through. And he, mm-hmm. he leans in and I and I just saw this compassion that I hadn't felt for so long Mm -hmm. I felt this love from God again that I had been praying for for years Uh, yeah Mm. (laughs) praise God yeah Um, I was hearing these things that were just combating all these lies that I had built up of I'm never gonna leave you nor forsake you like I'm gonna be with you Mm. Uh, and so that that made the good news, good news again to me. Mm-hmm. That revolutionized my faith. And mm-hmm. here I am now be like, I don't know what to do with my testimony. Cause I'm like, do I share that I have gender dysphoria? You know, how does, how is the church gonna wrestle with this? But at the same time, I'm like, God is so good. Yes, like, yes. look at how, mm-hmm. like, I can't theologize my way around this or think my way out of this. And yet God is here saying like, I'm just gonna have you come to me. Amen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah.
0: And I just want to add for those of you who are listening, when I met with Ben or anyone who's wrestling with whatever, it's not my role or calling to fix it ever, nor am I like, man, I'm just going to get Ben to a whatever, better place. I am always trying to get people to have a heart-to-heart experience with Jesus Christ because mm-hmm. it is his love that empowers us to die to our natural-to-us-wants so we can get those actual needs met. And mm-hmm. so when I was walking with you, I'm like, I don't know how God's going to do this, but he's going to do it because I'm so <laughs> confident in God. Mm-hmm. Oh, So anyway, just for those of you who are walking alongside people, you don't have to know everything about gender to get this mm-hmm. quote unquote right, but you'd need to know the gospel mm-hmm. and that it's good and it's alive. Yeah. Hey, Matt, Steve. Uh-huh. Yes. You want to hear something cool?
1: Sure. What is it?
0: So. We were in our real-life small group the other week, and Matt volunteered to read something from the Bible.
2: Okay. Yeah, I read it. And you know what happened? What? I got asked the question, what translation is that? Our friends loved it. Which
1: one was it, Matt? <laughs> the CSB, the <laughs> Christian Standard Bible. No kidding, the one that's been sponsoring the podcast, so you guys actually read it in real life.
0: Yeah, we really like how it reads. We're so familiar with things like the NIV and the ESV and NLT, which we love. But the Bible can sadly become kind of like white noise to us.
1: Yeah,
2: I've really appreciated how the CSB is both familiar, but also fresh and
1: new. Yeah, that is really cool, guys.
0: It is. So if you guys listening want to shake up your usual reading routine with a high scholarship translation that is familiar yet new, hit up csbible.com to see all of what the Christian Standard Bible has to offer. So, precious friends... Um, you walked on that journey you got another pastoring job mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Ben I remember you reaching out to me and and you were feeling convicted about authenticity can you tell me about that and you're essentially coming out to your church
3: mm-hmm. yeah, this, this happened over several months um, and I've always seen vulnerability and confession is vital to our faith um mm-hmm. There's definitely an aspect of our faith in which if we're kind of living that double-souled life where (laughs) we present one way and in secret are another, I mean, that disintegrates you.
0: And you're Um, not just talking masculine, feminine, you're talking human person who is saying, I got it together, I'm a pastor, and yet inside you know you're wrestling with stuff and you want to be vulnerable which that's like the cry of the church right now. Is that what you're saying? So like your outsides and your insides match. Mm
3: -hmm. Right. Uh, So I've just, I mean, partly through this podcast, partly through a lot of different books, partly through the seminary, really started to see how shame played a role uh, Mm -hmm. in our lives Mm -hmm. and how it really, Satan uses us as like a wedge to divide us between God Mm -hmm. and from each other. It controls the way that we even act or what we Mm -hmm. try to hold back and, I mean, I'm a classic perfectionist. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm a one, wing I'm two the on the so I'm like, I want to be right. I want to do what's right. You know, I want to get good grades. And, you know, I never had a tardy kind of thing. Um, and so, like, I was gripped mm-hmm. by this fear of being in the wrong. And so I very much tried to control this image of what people saw of me. Uh, but as I've shared my story more, I've begun to see, like, when people know me, they can choose to love me. And not some uh, facsimile. Mm-hmm. It's so healing. They choose to reject me or love me as I am. And really, I think it's hitting that need of being seen, yeah. uh, which I, I wasn't experiencing when people didn't know all these things about me. And that mm-hmm. doesn't mean like, go share your story in a podcast or go, yeah. you know, b- make a blog post. But there is a <laughs> sense in which we're called to as a church to, I mean, so to fight shame, we have mm-hmm. to confess these things, confess mm-hmm. our wounds. And the second part of that being, being in the community that can affirm you with mm-hmm. truth of mm-hmm. the gospel. Yeah. Um, so
2: can go I, ahead. can I jump in and ask a, just a curiosity question, you know, so you're, you're talking about this ability to be known as who you really are, as, as yourself, like your full being, as opposed to this facade, this facsimile that you said, how did, how did that happen in your marriage? Because obviously, when you first came out, Lauren, you experienced a, a bunch of confusion and anger and just a roiling emotions that were all over the place. But in the time since then, have you been able to, to feel even more love from her because you are finally showing her this place that you may be held secret for so long?
3: Hmm. Yeah. It, I mean, I think like we said, it was really hard at first one thing that we even tried to really build into the foundation of our marriage Mm -hmm. was to be honest with each each other and make sure that we told each other Mm -hmm. that we were on the same team. And so there would be moments in which we were not loving each other well, and we'd call that out in each other, but we'd always preface it like, look, I love you. I'm not going to leave you, but here's how you've hurt me. Mm -hmm. And so I think we had a foundation in which we could trust each other. Like we knew kind of each other's struggles. Uh, so when that kind of all, uh, came down and and shook our marriage it was hard at first but it also helped us to reaffirm our commitment our covenant mm-hmm. to each other and we said okay this is not based on on something shallow like this is something that christ has called us to and so how do we make this work mm-hmm. and so we i think we yeah we cried together we asked for help we mm-hmm. we had community around us which was huge and i think ultimately it made our faith stronger and our mm-hmm. marriage stronger Would you
4: agree with that, Lauren? Absolutely. I went from sitting on the couch with Ben crying and him crying, weeping really, and me numbing out and just shutting down to several months later processing this and the Holy Spirit somehow did the flip a switch thing. And Hmm. I can't explain it, but I just knew like we're going to be okay and God is good and he's faithful. And the Spirit just began to strip back like ben is not his identity is not gender dysphoria or it's mm-hmm. not yes. whatever other sin or brokenness you are dealing with that's not who you are but you're you are a son of god and he mm-hmm. you are loved by him and uh, and i i feel like that reaffirmed mm-hmm. our commitment our vows that we made uh, to each other on our wedding day and uh mm-hmm. god was asking us to make them again every day but mm-hmm. Um, especially last summer when we dealt with a lot of this yeah. processing.
0: So, stuff. what your marriage is doing is the metaphor of Christ's desire to be one with us. And 100%. he says, yes. I want you essentially butt naked before me. <laughs> yes. All your stuff. And so, like, just be who you are and bring your suffering to me, bring your sin. Let's strip that away so that we can be one. That's what God mm. says to us. That's what your marriage was modeling in your stripping away of ways that you, you know, both both the honesty of the wounding and the pain and the suffering you're going through, but also if there's any sin between you, like just mm. getting rid of that. So that brought you closer, which models God's desire to be closer to you, both of you. Yes. And then as you're feeling that and experiencing it, you came to a point, Ben, where you're like, I'm going to tell My, you know, my pastor, my leadership team at this church where you're working, how'd that roll?
3: Yeah, I got to this point where I'm seeing growth in my own life and I'm seeing other people longing for authenticity and realizing too that uh, Jesus meets us where we are, not Mm -hmm. where we think we should be. Mm -hmm. And to acknowledge that and say, here's where I need to start is so important. Um, but I ultimately came to this place where, <laughs> so, so God at all this time, you know, is, is just weighing on my heart and saying, I want you to share your story because there's really not many people that experience gender dysphoria and are also choosing to surrender this right. to Christ. Right. There's not much on the internet. And if there are some resources, please send them my way. <laughs> where's the um, book? <laughs> yeah, where's the book? <laughs> uh, But I'm just sensing God, like saying, "There's other people out there like you, and I want you to share your story." Um, And so, I mean, I hope whoever is listening to this, if they're they are experiencing dysphoria, like you're not alone. There are people out there. Uh, But I got to this place where ultimately I decided I would rather be obedient to God than try to preserve something temporary,
0: like your job,
3: like my job. Mm -hmm. So
0: you were obedient.
3: So I wrote a blog post yeah. and sent it to my in-laws and my mother because I felt like they needed to know before I made anything public.
0: Probably um, good. <laughs> probably good, <laughs> yes.
3: And my father-in-law also said make sure you send this to the senior pastor. And I had a conversation with him back in the fall.
0: So before you're going to push post on the blog, you thought your your father-in-law said you should tell your boss essentially
3: yeah which is public complete wisdom like of course that's a good idea right yeah um and i even said to my senior pastor like i'm not gonna post this anywhere until we kind of agree on the right path to move forward Mm -hmm. you know i wasn't just gonna try to be disobedient in that way um or like kind of cut around authority um, so yeah, I mean, I, I thought we were good though, right? So I had this conversation with them in the fall because we were sharing our testimony as staff and I'm like, I don't know what to do with this now. You know, this is part of my story. So
0: so you had shared your story mm-hmm. the fall before. So this is like ooh, spring, winter, spring of
3: this, of this year. year. Yeah.
0: So the fall before you had shared with your staff, like some of the gender dysphoria and mm-hmm. you you were as, like, I remember you reaching out for prayer and like, it yeah. seemed like you were clear. But now that you're about to post a blog, you're like, Just FYI, I'm going to post this to your senior pastor. And you said, hey, I'm going to, I want to follow the chain of command of my authenticity if that's okay. Yeah. And then what?
3: Yeah. Um, I guess I was surprised at his reaction because we Mm -hmm. had that conversation. But I also understand kind of where he was coming from. So... I sent it to him on a Saturday and heard back from him that Monday we met, you know, for the first of three, three hour conversations. And he, so I had my district license interview coming up that week and he thought I was trying to sabotage my ministry uh, because I was just being really raw about like where my struggles were at this point thinking, okay, there are people in the congregation that feel alone and they're likely not going to step into vulnerability unless it's modeled. And I realized vulnerability like inherently has risk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I wanted to show that like pastors are human beings. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, we're all called to live above reproach. And teachers definitely have this Mm -hmm. added pressure because they're the ones teaching the word. But Mm -hmm. I wanted to show too, like, here's how Jesus has met me in the midst of my struggle, in the midst of my pain.
0: And you wrote in your blog post, you said, hey, this is what I'm wrestling with gender dysphoria, which again, Mm -hmm. we were clear in this podcast, not a sin, Uh, but you also were, you, you shared a couple other things, which were areas of sin you were wrestling with. Mm
3: -hmm. You I was talking about pornography and masturbation, which, I mean, I think if they were to pull all the pastors, it'd it'd be terrifying to see who's wrestling with this and, and I wasn't even wrestling with it like every week, but it was Mm -hmm. something that I was going to counseling for and trying to get help. And I felt like I was in a healthy enough place to say like, look, I want to polish my story and say, I have it all together, Mm. but I can't. Mm. And that's okay. Because Jesus is still good. And he's still with me. And I think for this pastor, he thought what I shared in the fall was this, oh, I'm done with gender dysphoria. Like I dealt with that, you know, a while ago, and Jesus saved me from this, and now here I am writing about it, saying I'm I'm thinking about it often, if not every day. And I think for him to read it, for him to actually see it on a page, uh, I think caused a lot of fear to yeah. arise because he, he hadn't been part of our journey mm-hmm. for the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. He didn't have the language of like what is gender dysphoria, right? Uh, and so, what what ultimately came down from this conversation was he. He asked me to resign from my job.
4: Mm. He asked me
3: to, so initially it was at the end of July, uh, to be looking for something. Uh, and if I didn't have something by then, I would be asked to resign.
0: Um, and it, it's hard probably to know, like, if that resignation ask was either gender dysphoria related or maybe it was pornography related, like, you probably don't even know.
3: Yeah, it was interesting to see. So I met with the district superintendent as well, and he very much keyed in on the pornography use. So
0: for Um, him, it was, that was the piece that was. Yeah, and he was
3: fine with me because I think I was explaining, like I had decided mm -hmm. uh, in the summer of last year that I was going to surrender this. I was not going to pursue these desires. I was taking up that cost because the cost of pursuing him was far greater than the cost of following Jesus. And Jesus is the, place is the person we find life yeah um so i was trying to explain this in my story and and so the reasons that i was given was that i wasn't healthy um that this would be okay if i was a pastor in a bigger city in a bigger church somewhere in san francisco
0: so this doesn't college ministry so this doesn't happen in everywhere just in yeah it wasn't
3: a top 10 issue is what he told me in this part of grand rapids and um
0: Oh Jesus, help us!
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, so this—I mean, here I am on staff at this church. Like, so clearly it is happening, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, but I—I I, I think ultimately there was this sense of fear. Yeah. And honestly, I don't know how I would have reacted a few years ago because yeah. I have grown. We both have grown mm-hmm. so much yes. uh, in how to approach L- LGBTQ issues and the conversation. And really, I mean, we've also like worked with real people, like mm-hmm. human beings. Mm-hmm. It's not just an issue. Like, yeah. we are all human beings with, with real struggles, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, ultimately, I keep using that word. Maybe that's my favorite word, ultimately.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's good, <laughs> I it's switched, working, yes. man.
3: Uh, I, yeah.
0: You ended up getting let go. Yeah, or so I,
3: I negotiated with the district superintendent who helped me to get severance. And yeah. so within like a week, I was without a job.
0: Mm. Okay, I just need to pause, and then Lauren, I want to go to you and just look at our listeners, and uh, guys, we have got to study this. There's no more, hey, uh, probably at some point, we got to think about LGBT. Every Christian, every church, y'all need to understand what is gender dysphoria? What is this whole LGBT conversation? And as I'm praying about it, as I've been in this conversation since 2015, it almost feels as if it's getting to be too late. Mm. Is that all of a sudden churches are going to wake up and they're gonna be like, wait, culture is where? And Mm. so precious lives like Ben and others we've had on this podcast who are doing the hard road of daily surrender. We need to not shun them. We need to learn from them and invite them in our church and get to this place where we can educate ourselves and the congregation in how to walk well before, honestly, it is too late. And every bend that's in your congregation has left Mm. to the open arms of people who are talking about it and are seemingly meeting those heart needs. Mm -hmm. And so please, precious listeners, if you are in leadership or not, Mm -hmm. will you please reach out to centerforfaith.com, reach out to us. We want to come Mm -hmm. alongside you so that we can be equipped so that when your son, your daughter, your your co-pastor comes out to you, you don't run away in fear, Mm -hmm. but you come alongside as a fellow, broken, beloved image bearer. Okay, I'm done, but not really. There's a pause.
4: All right, Lauren, um, how did that shake down for you? <laughs> uh, well, we, like Ben said, we had had many conversations that week with, with the pastor and his wife and with the district superintendent, and uh, it was pretty emotional week. By the end of that week, uh, Ben and I meet at Panera for my lunch break, and he tells me that, um that he needs to be gone by July mm. and of course we just start weeping yeah. um, and the following couple of weeks we I just remember being so broken we would just start crying at any moment without without notice oh, and mm. we just be pacing our house trying to process this out loud trying to analyze it trying to figure out what what is going on Um. We were able to go on vacation. We had planned a vacation for 10 days in Florida uh, literally a few days after this happened. Mm-hmm. we were able to get away. Um, that was that was God's orchestration because we it was such a blessing to be able to leave and just step away from from all of this. Um, but it was it was painful. It yeah. was just probably one of the hardest weeks we've ever had to walk through. Mm-hmm. So, guys, um,
0: I want to hear all of your healing journey, but what would, how would you sum up from then till now what God has done?
3: It's really hard in the midst of a season like this yeah. uh, to really trust God. And I believe we had both been prepared uh, through our own healing journeys, through the communities that we were in to really lean on him. And there were definitely moments, especially in June, where, you know, I'm not getting any job offers and I'm swearing at God in prayer, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, where are you? Like, I yeah. took this step of obedience and now, you know, severance is running out, mm-hmm. Um But I do believe we got to this place where we were like the three young Hebrews in Daniel where they said, whether we perish or not, we're not going to bend our knee.
0: Amen.
3: And I'm so grateful that God has provided a job in his Mm -hmm. answered prayer. Like my severance ended August 1st and I got a job offer August 9th. Like (laughs) it's it's really kind of unbelievable <laughs> to see how God has moved. Mm-hmm. and But through this whole time, he's He's just been drawing us near and it's been difficult. There's been moments where there, it seemed like God was silent mm-hmm. right in the moment that I thought, you know, we needed him the most. And it's beautiful, too, because I think in those moments, he wanted us just to rest with him mm-hmm. and that he knew. And I think he was probably angry, too, like this was sin against us and But I think there was also this relief as well that he had us. He knew exactly what was happening. He knew this is where he was calling us to. And we look back and like, this is so beautiful. And we're so grateful. This is how it all turned out.
4: Mm. Mm. Part of our healing journey has been seeing God, God connect these different moments. And we have, I think, hundreds of stories, probably we could share of just his faithfulness, Mm. not just how he lined up, the severance ending and a job offer, but um, I just think of the peace that of God that surpasses all understanding, and that nice. is how we could describe it. I'm a social worker, and um, my 14 clients on my caseload, it is not peaceful; it's mm. crisis. But I can tell you that the last four months, it's been peace, and it's wow. been joy, and it's been calm and beautiful. Uh, it's starting to shake up now, but it's just like, so it's so neat just how God holds us. And he's like, I see you and I know yes. you. And um, just so many other things, too, that he did um, and that how he's provided, how he's how he's not just physically, but how he's met us emotionally and spiritually through our community has been amazing. Something mm. we'll never take for granted. Yeah.
0: Praise God guys, last question. Um, If we are listening as church people and we're like, okay, I don't know if I know a Ben. Maybe I do. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's my pastor. Maybe it's my spouse. Like, there's many stories. Matt and I could go on and on of, like, of people who have come to us, which we're so thankful to treasure and carry those stories that we don't put on the podcast. If you meet us, we're not going to throw you on a podcast, I promise, <laughs> unless you're being obedient to what God's telling you. How can we prep? What would you say to the listener who's saying, how how can I get my heart ready for something like this? How can I care for maybe my pastor? What can I do?
4: Something uh, that that we've, Wrestled with um, is that a pastor is called to, I think, a great responsibility in teaching and shepherding a congregation. However, they, a pastor or a pastor's wife, or they are not perfect, um, yeah. nor will they ever be. And so, kind of stripping down this image of what we think, and I, in the American Western church culture, like we do, kind of idolize those who are who are in roles. Whether it's a pastor, whether it's a, a famous author or um, a Francis speaker, Chan. <laughs> what yeah, don't call out my idolatry of Francis Chan. <laughs> 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 sure, but just coming to this place where we don't uh, not expecting perfection yeah. and, and understanding that they're broken. Pastors are broken, yeah. and they have sin also that they deal with, and mm. just being helping to create a safe place for them to be vulnerable and to open up um, because that is how you model a vulnerability. I mean, generally, people aren't going to feel comfortable in, unless someone takes that first step in, uh, in doing so. So
0: good.
3: I would say try to be like Jesus. Mm. He gives us the model in Philippians 2 where Paul exhorts the Philippians to count others greater than themselves Uh, For Jesus, you know, equal with God, became one of us and was obedient to the Mm -hmm. point of death. And he tells us in Matthew 25, you know, when did we visit you? When you, like, uh, when we visit these poor and the ones in prison and the ones who are hungry. Uh, And so I, I think the way that we love people well is we have humility. We have this humility toward God to know that what he says is true. His ways are higher than our ways for sure. But we need to stop trying to love people with this agenda that we can mm-hmm. fix them.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, that's the role of the Holy spirit. Yep. And yes, there's a role with the community of believers, but for us to say like, you're welcome here. If you mm-hmm. clean up, mm-hmm. I do not believe is the way of Jesus. No. Uh, and, and he was accused, like step into those places which seem threatening to your image. Like, that's okay. Jesus was called a glutton and a drunkard because he spent time with sinners and tax collectors. Mm. Of course he didn't sin, but he loved people right where they were. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say, yeah, love people without this agenda because ultimately you're trying to love Jesus.
0: Mm. Uh, Ben, Lauren, good grief. So good. I can't wait to listen back to this and blast it Mm. all over for people to hear um, (laughs) because this is so (laughs) needed for the church today. So thank you so much for being a part of this. Mm. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's an honor. All right, guys, this is Lori again in present day. What do you think of the episode? If you want to let us know, you can hit up the contact page on lorikrieg.com and you can find all that we have to offer on there. And if you guys need training in any of these areas, just email me, lk at lorikrieg.com and we will set up conversation. We also have a bunch of links in the show notes, books and episodes that are related to this one if you want to hear more, especially about the gender conversation.
2: Yeah, guys, thanks for taking time to join us today. And we're looking forward to next week's take two with Johnny and Amanda McKenna as we continue the Broken and Beloved Pastors series.
0: Series in the series. (laughs) All right, guys, for all of us here in the Hole in My Heart podcast, we'll see you next week.